0: Well, good morning. You excited to be here? Awesome, awesome. We are, uh, we are starting a brand new series today called Peace. And I always love starting a new series, getting it up off the ground. And we're going to be talking about uh, Christmas over the next four weeks. And we titled the series Peace. And so uh, I, I think uh, you'll understand here where we're going here in just a moment. But if you're a first-time guest with us, want to welcome you. Thanks for uh, taking up someone's invitation. And coming. We hope your experience thus far has been a good one. And so, um, real quick, I want to start by talking a little bit about when I, when I was a little boy, uh, sometimes I would have a nightmare uh, and I would wake up in the middle of the night. And I think it was because I used to watch things like Poltergeist uh, as a little kid. Not recommended, parents. Uh, <laughs> you can see, I think there's a, a new version of it that came out. Uh, recently, but scary stuff. And so I'd wake up in the middle of the night all sweaty, and, and the only thing I could think to do was to run to the safest place that I could find, which was right in my mom's bed. You know? So I'd get right between my mom and dad, and I was all sweaty, and my, I, I knew my dad hated it, because who wants a sweaty eight-year-old like next to them when you're sleeping, right? It's nasty. And, but I would go there, and I, rem- I would remember getting in that spot thinking, okay, all is well. I'm safe. I could feel my dad's huge body on my left and my mom on my right. And I was like, this is, this is the perfect place. And what I, what I felt at that time was, was peace. That feeling that all is going to be okay. I'm totally safe. If you're a note taker, if you like to take notes, I, I define peace this way. Peace is rest of soul. Peace is rest of soul. That feeling, that emotion that says, you know what? All is well. It's gonna be okay, I'm totally safe. It's a hard feeling to come by, isn't it? In our world today, everything that's going on in our world, outside, things that are going on in our lives, tough things, difficult things, relationship struggles, financial struggles, struggles with children. How many, how many of you are trying to raise some children today in our, in our world today? It's tough stuff, isn't it? Especially if you have a teenager or a tweener or something like that, it's nuts. It's hard. It's very difficult to have rest of soul <laughs> in, in any given moment in a day. Uh, the other day I came home from work, and um, I it was in the middle of the day just to see my wife, and, and um, I had to use the restroom. And so what, we, what, we, what I've been doing uh, with the restroom deal is I've been watching how uh, we have got, we've got three boys in our house. I'm one of them. And we have this, we've had this wood laminate floor that we got put in like last year or something like that. And I've noticed since we put in the wood laminate that you could see When someone goes number one, you could see you could see it. (laughs) Splashes, you know, and you have dots on the floor. It's quite amazing. And so, um, I couldn't see that when we had the linoleum. You know what I'm saying? So it's blended in. And so now I can see it. So, you know, I'm trying to make the shift to to being a sitter. Just because if I don't if I just because my wife is the one who ends up cleaning up she I know she's not doing it. She's not making dots on the floor. She's a sitter. Right? So so I'm trying to make this transition and you know and, and, and some of you guys are like, I can't believe he just said that. He just he's now now my wife's gonna ask me to be a sitter and I'm not gonna be a sitter. <laughs> Sorry guys, you may never come back to this church. I apologize. <laughs> But I'm trying to put my wife before myself, and so I, I, you know, I'm going to sit down. I just have to do number one. I'm I'm going, and all of a sudden I hear it. I hear this, this splash, and like, no, because you know what it was, right? Because you ladies know what it was. What was it, ladies? It was your cell phone, right? (laughs) The iPhone six, you know, $800 phone, just right in the back pocket there. And now because I'm trying to do the right thing, I'm trying to love my wife. No dots. No dots. I sit, and it slips out, and ka-plunk, and of course, you know, I'm like, and I'm down there, you know, don't care that it's toilet water, I mean, I think there's water on my face, it was on my glasses, long story short, um, I lost my peace. And I lost $299, because that's how much it costs for a brand new iPhone. Now that would be, uh, you know, okay, but it's, it's the third time with the 6 for me. <laughs> I smashed the face, I had water damage if, what, for the first time, now I've got water damage the second time. And so this, I'm in this phone for like two grand now. I'm going to have this phone for a very long time, very, very long time. Anyway. You know it's hard to have peace. Things like that happen, and that's small potatoes. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? I know people that have, have loved ones who have cancer, and I mean, I, a cell phone. That's that's small. That's small. It's still enough to rob my peace, my rest of soul. You know, I don't I don't have big problems like some people have, like real problems. It's very difficult to have rest of soul when you're going through. A, a divorce of some sort, or some type of just huge physical ailment or sickness, or it's hard stuff, isn't it? How do we have rest of souls? See, I, I believe that, that Christmas is the story of God revealing a path to peace. I really do. And so what I wanna do over the next couple of weeks is, is, is kinda look at the Christmas story and draw some truth from it and make some applications, because I do believe as we look into it, if you're a note taker here, that in your notes there, uh, Christmas is the story. Christmas is the story of God revealing or making known the path of peace to us. It's real. Because anguish and, and fear and terror are real. If I can go back in your notes there. There's, there's a Psalm, in Psalm 55, there's a guy named David who was betrayed by his closest friend Ahithophel. Say that five times, Ahithophel. <laughs> And Ahithophel was his closest advisor, and he, and, and he sided with his son Absalom when, he, when Absalom, uh, David's son, decided he wanted to try to take over the, the kingdom of Israel. And in David's anguish, he wrote Psalm 55. I want you to see it. We'll go back here. My heart is in anguish within me. The terror of death has fallen upon me. Fear and trembling come upon me, and horror overwhelms me. And I say, oh, that I had wings like a dove. Listen to this, this next statement. If I had wings like a dove, I would fly away and be at rest. Yes, I would wander far away. I would lodge in the wilderness. I would hurry to find a shelter from the raging wind and the tempest. You ever feel that way? You're not alone. You ever feel like if if you could just get away, you would? If you had wings, you'd fly away? Life happens. David was betrayed by a close friend. His very own son was trying to take over and did try to take over the kingdom. Things, like, things happen, the, the wind and the tempest, they, they, they storm, and, and what we want to do is sometimes we want to get out of here <laughs> so that we can find some rest. We all seek peace. We all seek rest of soul. Does the Christmas story have anything to offer us? It absolutely does. You know, so oftentimes we go to Luke chapter 2, which is uh, the Christmas story, which you hear a lot in Charlie Brown. If you're a Charlie Brown fan, uh, you hear the Christmas story told there. Right before Charlie Brown gets into uh, Luke chapter 2, uh, there's, a, there's a prophecy from a guy named Zachariah. Anybody know who Zachariah was? Zachariah was John the Baptist's father. John the Baptist was Jesus's cousin who said, you know, prepare the way of the Lord, and he kind of you know, got people ready to hear what Jesus had to say. Well, Zachariah's father, when he was told by, Ga- by an angel named Gabriel that John was going to be born to, from his wife Elizabeth, Elizabeth, he didn't believe it because he was old and, and Elizabeth was barren. And so he, he said back to Gabriel, I, how's this going to happen? I'm an old guy. And so because he did not believe Gabriel, Gabriel said, you are not, you're going to be mute for the entire pregnancy. You're not gonna be able to talk. And sure enough, uh, he was, he couldn't talk for for nine months. (laughs) And then John the Baptist was born, and on the eighth day when they circumcised the baby and everything, they started, they said, hey, we gotta name this kid, what are we gonna name him? And everybody wanted to name him Zachariah, because that's what you did back then. You named your kid after some family member, father, uncle, whatever. And and Elizabeth says, no, his name's gonna be John, and everybody starts freaking out, like, what? And so they get Zechariah, who can't talk, right? So he's, he, you know, he, he starts to, he says, give me a writing tablet. I'm going to write, you know, I want to write his name. And so sure enough, he also writes, his name is John, and all of a sudden, his tongue is loosed, and he begins to speak. And if, if some of the first things he starts saying is a prophecy recorded in Luke chapter one, starting in verse 68 all the way to 79. He starts talking about how God's favor is gonna be upon Israel, and salvation's gonna come, and my, this, this, my son is gonna be the one that kinda gets everybody ready to hear about grace and forgiveness, and he goes on and on and on. And then he says that, that, that John is gonna be like the sunrise, like a sun rising to give light. And then in, in, in verse 79, listen to what He says, Luke chapter 1, verse 79, that John is going to rise like the sun to give light uh, to those who sit in darkness and and, uh, in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of what? Peace. He's talking about Jesus. That John is going to talk about this, this Messiah who's going to come, who's going to lead us to find a life of peace. If you're familiar with the gospel, you know that this baby Jesus comes into the world on Christmas day, eventually to grow up, and at the age of 33 or so, be crucified on a cross. And three days later, he rises again. This is how the story goes. To conquer sin and death, to pay the penalty that was held against you and I, so that we could be forgiven. And in that forgiveness, be reconciled back to God, That is the message of the Bible, reconciliation of God and man through Jesus Christ. And when, when a person places their faith in him, there is peace between God and man. That is the peace offered in the gospel. John, when Peter was talking to a guy named Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, I want you to hear what, what Peter had to say, because it just comes right out of his mouth. He's like, you've heard of the message that, uh, to, to God's people, Israel. Watch this, Acts chapter 10, announcing the good news of what? Peace. That's what it is. It's peace with God. The good news of peace through Jesus Christ who is Lord of all. Man and God can be reconciled because of the finished work of Jesus on the cross. Anybody excited about that? Has that changed anybody's life? That's incredible. Now, that being said, That kind of settles the issue of where you're going to spend eternity and are you going to go to heaven when you die and all that stuff. That kind of all that gets settled when a person puts their faith in Jesus Christ. But then what we come to find out is that we got to wake up tomorrow morning (laughs) and cell phones are going to fall into the toilet and -and so-and-so is going to find a lump in their arm or something And, and there's going to be problems and you're going to have a teenager who won't obey you or fall in line or whatever, right? It, do these things happen to you? Of course they do. So I'm, I'm thrilled and I'm excited to go to heaven when I die. I'd rather go there than the other place. You with me? Anybody? But what about right now? Is, does the Christmas story provide peace for me, for you, right now while we go through this life? And I would argue that it absolutely does. Let's talk about that. See, the peace that God offers you, the peace of God, is, is, is his own peace. It's his peace. It's not a peace that he asks you to muster up. The peace that that, that is going to invade your life, rest of soul, is his peace. If you're a note taker, this is the way I wrote it: the peace of God offer, the peace God offers is His own. It's His. He's not saying, "Hey, here, I'm going to give you some some uh, some some ideas so you can muster up some peace on, by yourself." No, I'm going to give you my peace. Did you know the Bible refers to God as the God of peace? At least five times in the New Testament, Paul said he is the God of peace. I'll just show you one. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says this. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you wholly. Four other times Paul calls God the God of peace. Jesus said it this way in, in John chapter 14. Watch this. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world offers it to you. Isn't that Interesting. He says, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the piece that's inside of me and I'm gonna put it inside of you. I've started lifting weights with my 14-year-old son and uh, you know he's very skinny. And what that means is that he's very weak, okay? But he's only 14, he's just getting started. And so what I have to do when we're doing dumbbells or we're doing any type of weights, I have to give him my strength in order for him to finish the reps. Anybody been there? So you're down there on the bench and he's you know, trying to push up 15s. I have to take his wrists and i have to bring them up to the top it's called spotting right i'm giving him my strength so that he can finish the word jesus says very simple here's what i want to do i want to give you my peace i have it within me i'm going to take it and i'm going to put it in you your job is to receive it and when you receive this peace it's not like the peace that the world has to offer see the peace that the world offers has to do with you know accumulation of wealth and the things that money can buy it has to do with your problems going away and the sickness getting healed right how many of you would say that would be awesome just look at some of your prayers when you pray you could tell if you've fallen into that trap if you just continually pray for your problems to go away <laughs> anybody honest the crowd today is that, does that make up the, mo- the, the biggest part of your prayers? Oh, God, would you just, priest, help this person to stop doing this and help this issue to go away and help this issue to go away? But your, your, hope is it, your hope is that you'll find peace in, in having no problems. That is, a, that is a way that a lot of Christians live. That's not necessarily a bad thing. I would like to have a problem-free life, but I've kind of settled into the reality that it's not going to happen. Anybody? Have you settled into that yet? It's just going to be problems all the time right? Jesus says, I've got a peace that, that's different from, from having a, a problem-free life or having a lot of money so where you can, you can solve things or escaping through some type of chemical addiction or some, some other, you know, way to kind of find some peace within your life. I've got something different. And when you find this peace that I'm going to put in you, watch what's going to happen. Next part of his statement, he says, let not your hearts be troubled, neither be afraid. So in some way, this peace that Jesus is going to take within him and put in you is going to allow you to to basically not be afraid. He doesn't say, I'm going to take away your problems or I'm going to make you wealthy or I'm going to do any of that. I'm just going to give you this peace, and when you get it, you're going to have the ability to not be afraid. Wow, that's powerful. This is his peace that he wants to give to you and I in our lives. Isn't that awesome that that God offers that to us? So what are we we really talking about here? We're talking about God's peace in our lives. And so if we can go to the next slide, check this out. The peace of God that what we really wanna talk about here is that the peace of God is rooted in the greatness of God. And this this is a huge concept for us because if we don't understand where the peace comes from, we're gonna, the rest of my talk and what I'm gonna share with you and how to receive it and how to get it's not gonna make much sense. So here's what, let's cover this. The peace of God is rooted in the greatness of God. What does that mean? That means that you and I have to come to this conviction that God is great, that God is awesome. In In Psalm 95, listen to what the psalmist says here. He says, for the Lord is a great God, a great king above all gods. Can I ask you a question? Do you believe that God is great When God comes to your mind, do you believe that he's powerful, that he's mighty? Do you believe that he's majestic, that he's all-knowing, that he knows everything that's out there? See, my peace has to come from the greatness of God. Yours does, too. If I don't believe that God is great, how can I have peace? If I have doubts about his character, doubts about his goodness, I'm not going to have much peace in my life. You know, I was thinking about the universe the other day. And I don't know much about it, and, you know, it's, it's a hard thing to, to, <laughs> to get your brain around, but uh, sometimes I like to think about it, and I think about the earth and, and how it's spinning at 1,000 miles an hour at the equator. That's incredible. Right now, we're spinning at 1,000 miles an hour, uh, and we're sitting here like where we're, everything's just kind of still. Not only are we spinning at 1,000 miles an hour, but we're also traveling at 67,000 miles an hour around the sun. <laughs> That's 18 miles a second, you and me right now. We're just flying through space 18 miles a second. right? That's just the Earth and, 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 and our spinning and our orbit, and we're also doing it at a perfect 23.5 degrees tilt so that we can have seasons. And, and, that. and then you start talking about our galaxy. Our galaxy, the Milky Way galaxy is rotating in, or you, know, with all the other galaxies at some absurd speed. Don't even, I don't even remember. <laughs> So I didn't even know our galaxy was moving. It was spinning around a big, giant black hole. I'm like, this is incredible. Who's holding all that together? And we can say that it's science, you know, you know, gravity and all that stuff, and we can explain it away through science. But it's God, isn't it? Isn't it? God is holding all of that together. He is a great God. He is a powerful God. And one of the attributes that God has that, 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 uh, that explains his greatness is his sovereignty. And his sovereignty simply means that he's in total control of our lives. That's what it means. It's a, it's a, it's a theological word that just means he, he is in control. He's sovereign over our lives. In, in Romans eight twenty eight, we read this verse, and we know that, that for those who love God, all things work together for those who are called according to his purpose. See, when I know that God is in control of all aspects of my life, I can have Peace both the good and the bad. This was Job's scenario. If you remember the story of Job, you know, he starts out in the first book, first, first chapter of Job. If you read it, he's got 7,000 sheep. He's got 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 donkeys, seven sons, three daughters. He's got all the money in the world and all these servants. And right in Job chapter one, he loses it all. All of his children die. He loses all of his camels, all of his sheep, all of his oxen. And then the rest of the book of Job is Job kind of questioning and and, and just, you know, complaining and cursing the day he was born. And then in chapter 42, chapter 42, the last chapter, Job gets a glimpse of God, and he says this. He says, I've heard about you, but now I have seen you, and I take back everything I've said. I repent. I did not know what I was talking about, Job says. Now, how can you say that? How could he say that? His kids were still dead, his his animals were gone, his family was gone, nothing changed. His circumstances didn't change. You know what changed? He saw God, and God was great. He said, oh, that's enough. See, my peace and your peace is rooted in the greatness of God. Now, when we start there, now we've got a good foundation to, to kind of receive this peace, okay? So how do we receive it? Now that we, 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 we start there, how do we actually receive it? Well, Jesus said this. This is incredible. In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus said, here's the idea. I want you to come to me when you're tired and, and, and stressed out or labor and heavy laden, and I'm going to give you, say it with me, rest. That's what I'm going to do. I'm, that's where we get this definition, rest of soul. So you gotta come to me, and when you're tired and you're worn out and exhausted, and I'll I'll give you peace. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. See, he was a rabbi. Jesus was was a teacher, he was a Jewish teacher in the temple. And every rabbi would have a yoke, and the yoke was simply their, their teachings and their methods and their strategies and their opinions of how the world worked. So Jesus says, look, follow the rabbi, come to me, and take upon my teachings, and my ways, and my methods, and my strategies, and what's going to happen, because I'm gentle and and lowly at heart, here's what's going to happen. Watch this. When you do that, you will find rest for what? You'll find peace in this life. Not just in the afterlife. Yes, reconciliation with God, because I'm about to die on the cross, and pay for your sins, and reconcile you all, but I'm also going to show you how to have peace right now in the middle of your life. For my yoke is easy and my burden is life. Jesus says, "Just, just I've got some teachings. I've got some teachings on anxiety. Jesus taught about anxiety all the time. I've got some teachings on lust and covetousness. I've got some teachings on anger. I've got some ways of getting through your day. I start my day in prayer. He'd go off to a solitary place and pray to, just to begin everything. You know, he would spend time with people. He, he had ways. He, he had teachings. He says, just come and, come and adopt those things. Follow the rabbi, and when you do that, you'll find rest for your souls. Let me show you two things really quick, two things that Jesus did. He did a lot more than these, but I'll just give you two. He prayed. See, the peace of God comes through prayer. Jesus would often find a solitary place, and he would spend time praying. And really what I mean by praying is trusting. Trusting Heavenly Father because He is great and His heart is good. Now, I know when I start talking about prayer in church, it's one of those things where many of you might say, man, I've heard that before. But if you're like me, (laughs) you don't really need to hear something new, do you? Anybody like me? You just need to be reminded of what you've already heard. Anyone? We think we want to hear something new, innovative, different. No, we just need to be reminded to do what we've already heard. So can we do that really quick? Because this is for me too, ready? So, so I, I, if I want peace, I have to pray. Listen to what Paul said, Philippians chapter 4. Uh, he said, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by, say it with me, prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Now, once I let my request be made known to God about the problem, the sickness, the financial struggle, the teenager, the whatever it is that you have going on, once I let that request be made known unto God, watch what happens. Then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. You see how that works? The peace of God, the peace of Jesus, he takes it out of himself and he puts it in you after you pray about the situation. Now, if you don't believe God is great, can you trust him with the prayer request? Yes or no? No, because what if he's not great? What if he's not good? What if he doesn't love you? What if he's not sovereign? What if he's not in control? Well, then I can pray all I want, but I'm not gonna have my heart flooded with peace because I'm not so sure about God, see? That's why we have to start with the greatness of God. My peace, your peace is rooted in the greatness of God. Now, once he's great, I can pray to that great God and go, it's off my plate. I prayed about it, and I can have peace because God is great. He heard my prayer, see? That's how it works, and then the peace of God floods our hearts and our minds. So I'm gonna, in a few moments, I'm gonna, you're gonna hear a story of a, of a friend of mine who, who did this, and, and it's gonna all come together, but let me give you the second one really quick. The peace of God also comes through attentiveness. Attentiveness. Not sure if you have ever been in a situation where you've had a marriage fail or you've had a business fail or you've had a relationship go bad or something like that. We all, a lot of us have. And when you ask people, when I ask people, like, how would that happen? How did that business fail and how did that marriage fail? Or what? And, and a lot of times they'll get this answer. I simply wasn't paying attention. I, let, I, my, I got my eye off the ball, Right? And when you and I don't pay attention to key areas of our life and make course corrections and, and dial things back, when we fail to pay attention to key areas of our life, what usually happens? Guys, with the checkbook. <laughs> what usually happens to the budget? What usually happens to the marriage? What usually happens with the relationship with the kids? It tends, things tend to kind of drift away out of our control because we weren't paying attention. Well, it works the same way with God in our relationship with God and our peace levels. See, this is what the prophet Isaiah said in in Isaiah 26. He said, you keep him in perfect peace, perfect peace, whose mind, whose focus is on God, because he trusts in you. You see, the peace of God comes when my mind, when your mind, and when your heart, and when your focus is upon God himself. Why? Because he's great. And he can do all things, and he's sovereign, and he's all-knowing, and he is full of grace, and he is full of of mercy. See, we fail to pay attention to the presence of God. The real peace, real peace that comes from God comes from being aware of his presence. And then the great Psalm 23, which some some of you have memorized Psalm 23 verse 4. This truth comes at us so clearly. The psalmist says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, right? Ever been there? Some of you are there right now. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Why can the psalmist say that? How can a person go through a terrible time and fear no evil? Here's the answer. For you are with me. He's paying attention to the presence of God. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Right? This is a this was the secret to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's peace in Daniel chapter 3, wasn't it? When King Nebuchadnezzar said, if you don't know this story, he said, you need to bow down to this 90-foot 90 90 image he made of himself. And they said, no, we're not doing it. And, and so he threatened them and said, I'll give you one more shot. And if you don't bow down to this you know, image, I'm going to throw you in the fiery furnace. Daniel chapter 3, you read this story? It's a great story. They're like, King, listen, here's the deal. We're not going to defend ourselves. That's what they say to him. We're, we're not afraid of you. We're not going to bow down to this, to this image. You, look, you could, you could throw us in. Our, our God is able to rescue us if that's what he wants to do, but even if he doesn't rescue us, it's okay. We're still not going to bow down. It's like, how do you say that? Your life is being threatened, right? And I'm not going to tell you the rest of the story. You got to read it yourself, Daniel chapter 3, when you get home, but, but just the peace, the peace. They were aware of his presence, They knew who he was, they knew he was great, they knew he was the God who rescued, and so therefore they had peace in the midst of of an awful situation. Attentiveness to God. This is what C.S. Lewis said, listen to this. He said, we may ignore, but we can nowhere evade the presence of God. The world is crowded with him. He walks incognito. Do you believe that? That our world is crowded with God? I do. Our problem is that we're, we're not aware of that. Listen to what he says. He continues, he says, the real labor is to remember, to attend, in fact, to come awake, still to remain awake. See, the problem is we're not awake, we're not aware, we're not attending to the presence of God, and therefore we feel alone in the valley of the shadow of death. Therefore, we have lots of fear and anxiety, lots of worry and concern about the future of our country, about this, about ISIS, about terrorism, and we're all just all wrapped up in fear and worry and concern about life because we are not aware or paying attention to the presence of God in our life. He's a great God. He's a mighty God. Dallas Willard would often say that this world is the safest place in the universe for you. And the first time I heard him say that, I thought, You're sick. But then he went on to explain why he could say that. It's because we have a great God. He's a mighty God. And he is a sovereign God. And nothing touches your life that hasn't first passed through his hands. Therefore, you can pray to him, and you can pay when you pay attention to him, you will be filled with peace in your life. Does that make sense? Some you might be thinking, well, how do you do that? Well, you can do it through nature. You can do it through a baby's laugh. You can do it through family time around a dinner table. You can become aware of God's presence. As I agree with Lewis that this world is crammed with God, He's, cr- he's everywhere, He's in this room. The problem is, we, we're not awake to His presence. So one of the ways that I do it, and I do this every morning, is I just go through scriptures. I just go through scriptures in my mind, and I'll read my one-year Bible or whatever, but then I'll go through my scriptures in Psalm chapter 1 and Psalm chapter 23 and Psalm chapter 16, and I'll go through some passages in, in the book of Luke, and I'll just go through passages in Joshua. Just go through my mind, just review. And what happens is I review my verses in the morning before I start my day. I have God on my mind. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that's written therein. Then he'll make you way prosperous and you have good success. Joshua 1, chapter 8. I'll just go through one after another, after another, after another, and brain, literally wash my brain with this scripture. And here's, why do I do that? Psalm chapter 119, verse 165. Great peace have they which love your law. Nothing can cause them to stumble. Do you see that? The peace of God comes when I keep, when you keep the word of God on your mind and on your heart because it takes you back to being attentive to his presence. Even though I walk to the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Why? Because you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Right now, I want to introduce you to somebody. His name is Matt Randall. And he had a chance a couple of years ago to put this. See, this is not a sermon. This is, this is a the yoke of Christ. This is a way to live. Matt had an opportunity to put some of these things into practice at a very, a very serious time in his life. He'd like to share the story.
1: Yeah, thank you. Uh, you know, this principle became real uh, for my wife and I during the, uh, the birth of our first son, Leo. And, uh, you know, like any parents, we were ecstatic when we learned that we were pregnant and uh, we were excited to have a baby. But it was not long before we learned that Leo Was going to change our entire life, and more importantly, our understanding of peace. You know, at 19 weeks, we learned that Leo wasn't going to make it. And specialists had surrounded us, and they had found some issues that uh, they basically knew one thing, and they said that uh, you know he's he's not going to make it through the labor and delivery process, and probably not much longer. And so they tried to prepare us for what that was going to look look like, basically look like. So um, we prayed, man, we prayed hard and we prayed that God would somehow give us peace, knowing what was gonna come. And I'll tell you that he did answer that. And somehow, uh, five weeks later when my wife went into labor, uh, we drove to that hospital that day in peace, knowing that he'd taken care of it and we were gonna be all right. You know, we didn't name our boy Leo until after we were at the hospital. And uh, when we got to the hospital, they told us, hey, you know, um, watch the heartbeat monitor. And uh, when that starts to, to head down a little bit, you'll know that that's when your boy's gone. And so we watched. And our little boy had the heart of a lion. That heartbeat never faded. And our little boy defied every expectation of every doctor that we had talked to. And he made it through labor. He made it through delivery. And we were able to spend five minutes with our boy before his soul left this place. And we count every single one of those minutes as a miracle. You know, that's not why I'm up here, actually. Um, A couple of hours later, my wife was rushed away for emergency surgery. The doctors had found uh, an issue that they had to fix immediately. And I'm very grateful for uh, the doctors and nurses that took care of her. Some of them are actually members of this church. And uh, thankfully for their skill, she came back uh, perfectly healed the way that it needed to be. But it wasn't until she came back in the room for recovery that my entire world caved in. You know, for those five weeks we've been so focused on the next step, the next step, and giving us peace for what was going to come, what was going to come, and that had come. There was no next step. There was no next appointment. And it was at that moment that I just lost it. I had tried so hard to focus on those things and hold it all together, but at that moment, There was nothing left, but I had remembered that God was there. And so I prayed, and I cried, oh man, I cried. But I prayed for God just to fill us with that peace just one more time that night. My wife was recovering in bed, and I had lost my boy. And I'm here to tell you that he answered that prayer immediately. You know, this piece that Paul talks about, this, this uh, all-encompassing, this, this kind of piece that surpasses all understanding or any word that I could try to put behind it, it filled the room that night. On a night that we had been scarred for the rest of our lives, this piece filled that room and covered my heart, and I was actually able to sleep that night. You know, a lot of people around us um, for weeks after that, uh, were surprised at how we had handled it. They, they couldn't believe that, that we were, you know, angry at the world or angry at God. Uh, but for us, the answer to those questions were, was simple. It was that we prayed for that peace, and God delivered it. Mm. And we knew that, among all things, He was in charge. So when we talk about Philippians 4, and we talk about this peace and, and being attentive to God, you know, this is not just some other action step for my family. Uh, this is real. Mm. It's tangible. Mm. Uh, and it's available. Mm. And it's something that for us, we just knew we had to ask for. Mm. That's good. Thanks, Matt.
0: <laughs> my peace, your peace, is rooted in the greatness of God. Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are tired and stressed out. You'll find rest for your souls. We receive it through prayer and both through paying attention to his presence. And I, I think that, that we can put that into practice right now uh, through this closing song. And um, it's a great song. It talks about the sovereignty of God, how he, God even takes what the enemy meant for evil, and he turns it for our good. So as the band comes out, they're going to play, and I'm going to invite you to stand if you want. If you don't want to stand, you can sit, but I want you to sing and have a moment with God where you're praying and you're paying attention to his presence.
2: There is strength within the sorrow. There is beauty in our tears. And you meet us in our mourning with a love that casts out fears. You are working in our waiting. sanctifying us when beyond our understanding you're teaching us to trust your plans are still to prosper you have not forgotten us you're with us in the fire in the flood Sovereign over us You are wisdom imagine Who could understand your ways Reigning high above the heavens Down in endless grace, you're the lifter of the lonely, compassionate and kind. You surround us holy, and your promises are mine delight, your plans are still to prosper, you
3: have not forgotten us, you're with us in the fire and the flood. ¡Suscríbete al
0: there are some of you who are here and God is drawing you to himself because he wants to have a relationship with you. And perhaps you feel him tugging on your heart. Or maybe you didn't know it was him, but you felt something. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal savior, that's him. He, in the form of the spirit, is drawing you to himself. He's saying, hey, this is what I have for you. I want to be reconciled with you. I want to have peace with you. I want to be in a relationship with you. If you feel that, if you sense that, if what you heard today makes sense, you need to take a step of faith and reach out to Jesus Christ and say, okay, I believe you died on the cross for my sin. I believe you paid the penalty that I could not pay. Three days later, I believe you rose from the grave, conquering sin and death so that I could be in a relationship with you. You would say that to him. And your faith will make you a child of God and you'll receive eternal life. If you'd like to make that decision right now, I'm gonna ask you to close your eyes and bow your head. And for those of you who've already made that decision, would you pray on behalf of those who will? Say this to him right now. God is listening. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Savior, that you came into this world to die on a cross that I might have peace. I believe you paid the penalty for my sin and that you rose again to wash away all the guilt, all the shame to make me your child. I put my confidence and my trust in you. Help me from this day forward to walk in that path of peace, to receive your peace every single day through through prayer and attentiveness. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer today, we want to rejoice with you. In fact, can we rejoice with you right now? Praise God. If you prayed to receive Christ today, we want our church wants to give you a gift. It's a one-year New Testament. It's a copy of the Bible, uh, the Scriptures. There's tables back here to my left and to my right. If you prayed to receive Christ, or if you have a friend who prayed to receive Christ just now, would you go back there to those tables if you're in the balcony or in the main floor and just pick up one of these Bibles. They'll put one in your hand. Hey, next week, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have week number two. We're going to talk about having peace with each other. Today we talked about peace within. How do we have peace with other people? I know that's quite a challenge, don't you think? <laughs> you got some challenging people in your life. And so we want we would want to invite you to come back to week number two. Let's go ahead and pray, and you may be dismissed. These guys are going to rock us out as we walk out. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for what you've done here today. Thank you for coming into this world as a baby. And, and for going all the way to the cross so that we might have peace through a relationship with you. As we leave here today, help us to become people of prayer and people who are paying attention that, that you would fill us with your peace. We pray all this in Christ's name, amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Bring a friend. Even on the
2: enemy means for evil, you turned it for our good. For, again,
3: for your glory for your glory even at the